0: Please clap. It it's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. All right, good morning. Welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 103.9 W-O-Y-A-B. It is the day after Independence Day, after July 4th. Did we all have fun? Yeah, it's, it's a day. It's cookouts. It's fireworks. It's mattress sales. That's 2023 America. We, we are actually celebrating the day and time. In our nation's founding, when there were Americans ready to stand up against the theft by the empire, not so much anymore, (laughs) We, we are a nation founded by rugged men of principle. And somehow we have found ourselves, and I guess this is just the arc of history no matter where you are, we found ourselves turned into a nation of seemingly immature, whining people, zero action, waiting on a savior. Sad, but it's true. So people get together, they shoot fireworks, all fun. I mean, the family stuff is great, getting together with friends. you got to love a Tuesday holiday, too. Most people found a way to take Monday off, maybe even some on Friday. It's a nice little summer break. But this is what we do. We celebrate these things while the government takes half of our income. This is to celebrate a day. Celebrated day July 4th, which honors the real men who stood up to a 1.5 to 3% tax. <laughs> which is really kind of interesting when you stop and think about it. Men today and women will risk basically nothing. Nothing to take back their freedoms. I, I'm not trying to be the turd in the punch bowl on in Independence Day. It's a fun holiday, as I say. Who doesn't want a Tuesday off? The rest of this week is going to just sail by. But when you stop and think about it, just in the last few years, how many people— because I'm going to read you a little bit something about the Founding Fathers that I found very, fairly interesting. It was uh, tweeted out by a libertarian, talking a little bit about who the Founding Fathers were. And you juxtapose that with now of, of how many Americans— how many Americans out there got the experimental COVID jabs— just so they didn't have to have the hassle of their family? Or how many took shots and wore masks just so people wouldn't think badly of them? We have a time now where people cannot even stand up to their own doctors, who they are paying for fear of being labeled something like anti-vax. And we live in this time where, will anybody ever raise their heads because they, maybe they just have even a mid-level job that they are scared could be affected by this. Now, I will say in today's day and age, and I don't know, I'm sure this is probably something that goes on all the time. But in today's day and age, most people will not rise up because they know nobody has their back. And and I can feel this too. I can I can sympathize with people. Many of us would really like to stand up more than we could, but we know the system will crush us. It will trample us under their heel, and we'll look around and our friends will just go on living their lives. I, I think about this a lot with Julian Assange. Now I'm not close to Julian Assange. I've never met the man. Incredibly sympathetic to it. I'll never vote for anybody who persecuted, prosecuted, or failed to pardon Julian Assange. But it must be really maddening to think of all the people that really do care about him. And many of them are trying very hard, including his wife, to do what they can against the system. But the vast majority of Americans, you're just not going to get a lot of people behind you. So you've got to be willing to just go down with the ship. Or, Or go down by yourself while the ship sets sail without you, I guess is even a better way to put it. But what's, what's interesting about that is we will, in order to just maybe have them leave us alone a little bit, we will accept just about anything these days. But I wanted to read this a little bit about the Founding Fathers, because I found it pretty fascinating when you juxtapose it to today. So, uh, have you ever wondered what happened to the 56 men who signed the Declaration of Independence? Five signers were captured by the British as traitors and tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned. Two lost their sons in the Revolutionary Army. Another had two sons captured. Nine of the 56 fought and died from wounds or hardships of the Revolutionary War. They signed and they pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. What kind of men were they? Twenty-four were lawyers and jurists. Eleven were merchants. Nine were farmers and large plantation owners, men of means, well-educated, but they signed the Declaration of Independence knowing full well that the penalty would be death if they were captured. Carter Brixton of Virginia, a wealthy planter and trader, saw his ships swept from the seas by the British Navy. He sold his home and properties to pay his debts and died in rags. Thomas McKeem, was so hounded by the British that he was forced to move his family almost constantly. He served in the Congress without pay, and his family was kept in hiding. His possessions were taken from him, and poverty was his reward. And this goes on through many of the people, many of them who we've never even heard of, but you stop and think about the sacrifice of these people, and then we look at where we are today. It's really, I don't know. I'm not rising above this argument. I'm just kind of look. I'm just looking at the landscape of the United States because I, I am somebody who says we we are horribly abused people. We really are. the, the difference between the power exercised over us by the British monarchy versus what our current government does, it's not even close. Not even close. I, I wanted to read this too because. Unfortunately, this is a, the typical conservative today. This is Victor David Hans, Davis Hanson, and he, he, he writes some good things. He, he does. There's a lot of things he would write that I would agree with, but I just I ran across this piece, and I've, I really was, I don't know, I found it sad. He wrote this uh, in American Greatness. Here, here's a little bit of victory. And again, this is a leader of the conservative movement here in the United States. And I will say there's certainly, you know, the Libertarian Party, but people who are Libertarians, we feel very patriotic because we're very based around what the founders envisioned for the country, not what goes for patriotism today. Um, conservatives have, have got this vein of patriotism and love for the founders, as I talk about in the show all the time. It's just that I don't quite understand how it's how it's exercised. This is uh, this is the piece by Victor David Hanson, Davis Hansen, excuse me. He writes this. He writes President Joe Biden, the Biden Griffin conglomerate, the Department of Justice and the FBI under its fourth consecutive weaponized director are in danger of subverting the American system of law. They are in various ways undermining the tradition of self-reported income tax, computation, and voluntary compliance. Oh no, Victor Davis Hansen <laughs> are, are, are we in danger of this way we implicate ourselves and voluntarily hand over half of our income? Heaven forbid! He goes on to say this. He says, Our tax institutions, of course, are based on the real deterrence of a disinterested, uncompromised internal revenue service. Without it, the income revenues of the United States are existentially threatened. What? He He's worried that the Bidens are somehow, and this, I guess, is, well, it is. I read the rest of the piece. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's alluding to. You know, Hunter Biden didn't pay hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes. Is that fair when they will lock you up for doing the same thing? Of course not. But I am reading this from a conservative thinking, is this, he is saying, I'm going to read this again. Our tax institutions, of course, are based on the real deterrence of a disinterested, uncompromised internal revenue service. Have we ever had that? (laughs) Ever? Ever? He goes on to say, without it, the income revenues of the United States are existentially threatened. He goes on to say, so far, any negative reputation of the IRS has rested with the natural complaints that it is too jealous in hounding out American taxpayers in all walks of life. Or, citizens often object that the IRS must enforce a tax code that is innately unfair. But until now, has the IRS itself ever been under a shadow of such corruption? <laughs> well, Victor Davis Hanson, if you're like me, the entire system is completely corrupt and 100% amoral and unconstitutional. What? What is this? What, what is this? Taking the sheen off the IRS is the concern of a conservative thought leader now? I'm going to continue just a little bit more of this piece. He says, in other words, millions of Americans might shrug, quote, if Joe Biden, president of the United States, and his criminally-minded son can get away with avoiding millions of dollars in taxes, then should not I, a nobody, at least have the right to avoid hundreds of dollars in taxes? We should have—the what the Biden corruption— shouldn't be the litmus test of whether or not you should be on the hook for funding this monstrosity of a government. It shouldn't take the Bidens. It should be innate to a free people to think, you know, when I wake up in the morning and go produce something, I should be able to keep that. If you start a small garden in your backyard, and you grow tomatoes, and you pick a tomato, don't you expect to keep that tomato? Do you believe that you should cut it in half, mail off half of it to the federal government, or the, all of the taxing authorities, which in combination take a half of your income? Do you believe that you're, you're morally morally responsible to provide half of that to anybody? Of course not. But we've just been this, this this idea, this this helplessness. I'm not done. <laughs> he goes on to say, So the Bidens, along with Attorney General Merrick Garland and the FBI, are treading on dangerous ground and imperiling a hallowed American tradition, one vital to the very governance and operation of the United States. The current president of the United States, despite his monotonous calls for the well-off to, quote, pay their fair share, unquote, has likely deliberately connived to avoid taxes on sizable amounts of unreported taxable foreign income. In this case, uh, in the case of his son, likely is an unneeded adverb. By Hunter Biden's recent owned admissions and corroborating evidence, he seems not only to have schemed to hide millions of dollars in foreign shakedown profiteering, but to have set up all sorts of paywalls, firewalls and phony loans to ensure auditors would take years to unravel his legal schemes. Th- this is a conservative thought leader now. Now, just the, the the tenor of this that he's very worried that this that Americans might be reticent to voluntarily just hand over giant chunks of their income he he he's worried that that, that might be affected by the biden's criminal behavior this is i'm i'm bringing this to you on a day after our founding fathers we celebrate our founding fathers who rebelled against a 3% tax, a complete insurrection, and freedom is the only option, compared to today, the so-called leaders of the patriotic movement. I would imagine if you asked Victor Davis Hanson if he's a patriot, he would say, of course. This is what it is now. And of course, I'm going to bring this up as well. Uh, This is not new. Hunter Biden is just so badly corrupt, meaning he's not good at hiding it. He puts images all over social media and texts and emails. But how do you think Congress critters, I saw this statistic the other day, have not been able to independently verify it, but i got to tell you, it feels kind of right. How do you think Congress critters earn or their net worth grows at about an average of $1.6 million per year every year they serve, this is on a hundred and what is One hundred and sixty-five, one hundred and eighty thousand dollar a year salary. This is five hundred thirty-five guy, guys and gals in our Congress, not to mention presidents and vice presidents of all stripes, of all parties. Have you seen their net worths just balloon during that? Of course, they're not as stupid as Hunter Biden, but but the money laundering. That goes on in Washington, D.C., be it uh, parachuting out into a cushy job after passing some legislation. Or whether it's millions of dollars into your reelection campaign so that you can continue to fleece the American taxpayer. It doesn't matter. It's all it's all bribery and corruption in Washington, D.C. It shouldn't take the Biden crime family uh, to alert you to this. But I, I was just struck by this story, quite obviously. Where this is this is the leader of the right, a leader of the right, Victor Davis Hansen. This is what serves as resistance, bemoaning the Bidens' corruption, because it may tell Americans, boy, we shouldn't have to comply with the income tax either. This is the resistance today. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to be the turd in the punch bowl after having a great day yesterday, but just in, if we can just be a little, a little reflective on uh, what the day started out as. You know, it's one of those how it started, how it's going. That's how it's going. I'll be right back. I was born A shotgun in my hands Behind the gun I'll make my final stand Yeah And that's why they call me I am still at this point, after doing these two hours per week, still struggling really to find exactly what my format is. When I had the luxury of doing 10 hours a week, I could do dedicated segments. I could kind of parse my week together. I'm still struggling with the style, but I do have several headlines from the last week. There's been some big news out the last week that I wanted to take a look at, but by far and away, my favorite story, (laughs) my favorite story of the past few days uh, was this one. Did you hear this one? Cocaine found at the White House. (laughs) Let's let's read a little bit of the story here. Uh, We can file this if I do have segments there. This one would be, how's that drug war working out for you? The New York Post reported this. Substance found in White House West Wing tests positive for cocaine. The unknown item found in the West Wing that forced a brief evacuation of the White House Sunday night and drew a hazmat team to the executive mansion, initially tested positive for cocaine, according to officials, and a dispatch call made that evening. Quote, we have a yellow bar, stating cocaine uh, hydrochloride, a D.C. firefighter stated in a radio communication at 8.49 p.m. on Sunday. Bag it up and take it out, the firefighter told the hazmat team. (laughs) That was a good time at the firehouse that night. Uh, the initial dispatch call stated that the white powdery substance was found in the residence's library on the ground floor of the building. However, officials familiar with the incident told The Post that purported cocaine was found in a holding area in the West Wing that is accessible to both White House staff and guests. D.C. Fire and EMS did not immediately respond to a request to clarify the discrepancy. Now, of course, this is where we go here with it. Uh, President Biden, 80 was at Camp David at the time of the incidents, as was his son Hunter, (laughs) who has admitted to a past crack cocaine addiction. The 53-year-old was part of the family's party that returned to Washington from the presidential retreat for July 4th activities later in the day. (laughs) So, so of course, uh, where everybody's mind jumps uh, is immediately, and conservatives will have some fun with this, they will cast their bony fingers of indignation at the Biden crime family and it's deserved. It's absolutely deserved. It has a little little humor to it, but give me a break. I would hazard a guess that cocaine has been a mainstay of the White House, of Congress, every major bank, every brokerage house, every government agency for decades. See, the drug laws are just for us little people. And what I imagine happened here is that some, some left-wing hysteric, you know how they're very f- afraid of everything? <laughs> they're afraid of speech. They're afraid of silence, strangely enough. That's also violence to them. I've told you, if you do have to get into an altercation with these people, just a good mispronouncing or clapping. Remember, they're very... Uh, very easily skittish. They want the jazz hands. If you clap or mispronoun, you can send them into a tizzy. So I would imagine some left-wing hysteric saw white powder and immediately thought, (laughs) someone's trying to kill us. Uh, But the, the little people that support the drug war, while the people at the top ignore these little people rules and they make bank from the drug trade, the intelligence agencies, hell, they fund their programs and the bank launder the money for them. Now, we we know exactly what's... Look at anything from the 1980s, 1990s, with the big banks and stockbrokers. It's it's hookers and blow, baby. Because prostitution laws and drug laws are for the little poor people. You're the ones that do time for that, not the big banks, not the politicians, not any of them. There's a a reason that uh, most of the little people out here are drug-tested for their jobs. Don't think we have any drug-testing rules for Congress critters, do we? None that I'm aware of. But this was just, it was one of my favorite stories, just because it's a it's an it's just another. It's just another one. The 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 failed war on drug hits just keep on coming. And this has been the way for quite a while. Wasn't it Willie Nelson who said he smoked a joint on the top of the White House? I think that was during the Carter administration there in the nineteen seventies. I guarantee you. A lot of these people are whacked out of their brains, not to mention what's even more dangerous is that probably the number of people that are occupying the West Wing and Congress right now and the agencies and the banks that are on antidepressants. I think that should scare us even more. I'll be right back. A little bit of loneliness, a little bit of disregard, a handful of complaints, but I can't help the fact that everyone can see these scars. I what I want you to want, what I want you to feel, but it's like no matter what I do, I can't convince you to just believe this is real. So I let go watching you your back like you always do face away and pretend that i'm not but i'll be here cuz you're all that i got All right we are back this is the Mike Madison show 1039 WYAB if you ever want to reach me you can always reach me mike madison at wyab.com or if you want to catch or share a show or rewind something and find out did he really say that Uh, you can always find the podcast on different platforms just search for the mike madison show and it is out there Uh, another thing from this past week holy cow have you seen france Absolutely unbelievable images from France. And as I'm recording this, I believe it is getting worse. This has been going on for about a week right now. Uh, Paris is on fire. This is spread not only through France to many, many cities. It is also uh, spreading out through Europe. This, this one's really not that funny. Except for the fact that the media, wasn't it just about a week ago that they were cheering on a Russian civil war? <laughs> wasn't that the thought that Russia was just about to collapse and Vladimir Putin was on his way out? And boy, before that story even sunsets, suddenly France's Macron, the great globalist of France, uh, has its, its head seat is in big, big trouble over there. But the one thing that seems to be missing from most of the stories I see there, which is why I bring it up here, uh, the the immigration, uh, this is largely a unassimilated migrant population that is rioting in France. I will tell you, great deal of sympathy for the police over there right now. When I first see police interacting with a crowd and the crowd's getting unruly in some of these countries, when I see them a kind of a going after the government, I, I got to tell you, I immediately go <laughs> for the people that are protesting because we've all got such good reasons to do it. In this case, no. The poor police, I think they sent out 45,000 of them this week to try to contain this stuff. It is. It's horrible. Uh, police are getting a little sick of it over there, and they are cracking down hard. We'll see if they can get a handle on this. But uh, the they sent new migration rules into Europe back in the 1970s. This was the beginning of kind of globalism, and uh, you know they brought about the EU uh, to, to kind of erase the nation-state. Europe's such an interesting place. If you've ever been there, the culture is so wildly different just from country to country. You can take a train— Uh, just a few hours away and you're somewhere where people speak different languages. They dress different. They have different cultures. It was really a very fascinating place. They're trying to homogenize it. They're trying to homogenize the whole world. They want just one big blob of all mixed up people with no no national identity whatsoever it would be a really terrible planet to live on if they ever accomplished this goal. They started that, but when did the real migration start of these uh, primarily middle eastern people and uh, and uh, northern african people? When did this happen? Does anybody remember? So, while everybody is jumping on the fact that these immigrants are right now destroying France. Of course, it's not all of them. Some some good people there too, but boy, a lot of bad ones apparently. And it's true that this isn't this is kind of an immigrant uh, uprising. What nobody is talking about is the fact that it was the United States and some of their Western allies that went in and destroyed Middle Eastern and Northern African countries and sent these people fleeing for their lives in the first place. If you had no, uh, none of these Middle Eastern wars, nothing in Libya, nothing in Somalia, nothing in uh, Syria, nothing in Iraq and Afghanistan, if we hadn't destroyed these countries in the first place, uh, France would be at peace right now, as would the rest of Europe. And I find it so fascinating that European countries are even talking to us at this point. Of course, the leaders of these countries, many of them, particularly with the EU, these globalists that have taken over European countries are lockstep along with the globalists that have taken over the United States. And so the governments, I kind of understand they talk about it, but I can't believe that the people in Europe are not looking at their leaders and going, please untether us from this United States. Stop them from wrecking all of these countries south of us and flooding us with immigrants, the things that have happened to Greece, to Italy, now to France. And these riots are spreading. This is, once again, a consequence of the failed war on terror and the endless empire-building wars in the Middle East and Northern Africa. Right now, France is paying the price for it. People are saying, many people on social media are saying, if you think this is only going to happen in France, it's coming here. I don't know. Feels like uh, always a distinct possibility. But it just terrible images coming from France. I've never been to France. I want to go to France. Not today. <laughs> Not today I don't. But I have wanted to at least go. A couple other, the big headlines. Uh, The end of affirmative action. But what was most interesting to me, I don't really have a lot of insight to that, uh, affirmative action should be stopped. But can we now do the elites? There's several new things, you know, uh, they're they're overturning things that might benefit some of the little people. Now, I'm not saying it's right, but, uh, you know, affirmative action is Benefited at least some of you know some of us normies out there if it's black or Hispanic or whatever. I, again, I don't agree with it, but the beneficiaries of it. But but when it comes to the elites, you know they just they just seem to keep on trucking, right? They they always do well. So I'm just saying, let's. I I agree with ending affirmative action now. Let's end the rule of the elites at the same time. But this was just amazing. You may have already seen this, but this was uh, the liberal take. This is so sad. I don't know how many times I've sat behind this microphone and said I didn't I don't understand how particularly just because I can identify with men, how black men can find themselves part of the the liberalism or the the Democratic Party, because it just feels like, you know, this is a party that tells you. You can't tie your shoes in the morning. You can't feed yourself breakfast. You can't get a job. You can't get a driver's license. I just would be feel so emasculated by any group of people patting me on the head and telling me they were going to take care of me because I can't do the most basic things. Well, that that is further uh, further illustrated by this <laughs> this thing, this tweet put out by Erica Marsh. Now, I, I don't know, maybe, I, I don't want to be, you know, I'll tell you something, I, I I do look at Twitter. I guess it's really the only, I don't do Instagram, I don't do Facebook, I don't do uh, most things, but I do look at Twitter. I didn't used to, but I, I, I do find it interesting. It's kind of my window into the world. Um, Twitter has got this new fact check thing on it that really seems pretty good. It's very interesting. People will put out videos. Uh, there was one with a bunch of Batman jumping out of the back of a of a van a day or so ago. And the person who posted it said, "Here are vigilantes somewhere in Europe. They're going out to help the police fight against the immigrant thing." And there was something under it, it says, "No, this was a this is a video from a couple of years ago. This is not France. This was a fraternity stunt." There, there's very interesting fact-checking. So I do not know if this person is real or not. But the sentiment, I believe, is really something that the left uh, does employ. This tweet comes from someone named Erica Marsh, where she says, quote, Today's Supreme Court decision is a direct attack on black people. No black person will be able to succeed in a merit-based system, which is exactly why affirmative action-based programs were needed. Today's decision is a travesty. You know, as I read that, that has got to be, I don't know, this world is so messed up. How do you, how do you know anything? But that, that has got to be a troll account. That, that has got to be a fake. It is so on its nose. But even if it is, and I'm going to couch my bets as I read this out loud, I think I'm getting played. But it is true that that is how the left looks at minorities, you really have to look no further than the voter ID thing. I mean, and I'm not breaking any new ground here. I I'm, I scratch my head. I ask any liberal that wants to talk to me about this, and I have liberal friends. I've talked about it. I say, y- you mean to tell me that you, you just don't think it's right for people to show an ID at the polls? Well, it's harder for them to get an ID. Really? I mean, they need an ID to a checking account. They need it to rent a car. They need it to board a plane. You mean to tell me there are people out there that just cannot? And, and with their entire support system of their families and their friends and their neighbors and their co-workers, they can't all get together and figure out how to get this person an ID? And so this really is a, a, a mental state of the left. I think I've been tricked by this tweet, so you don't have to—don't email me. If it's real, it's incredibly sad, and the point is well made. If it's fake, uh, I, I think I sniffed it out. But it, it, nonetheless, it does feel like this is the situation. With all of the pearl-clutching about, uh, about uh, affirmative action, it's quite obvious that people just think there's no way—I mean, minorities— There's no way they get their test scores up to compete to get into college. There's just, there's no way they get their grades up to compete to get into college. I mean, this is, this is all I, this is what I hear. Maybe I'm wrong. One other, uh, one other headline here. I got time to, yeah. One other headline here. Businesses can refuse service to LGBTQ customers. And this was about the website developer. And I, I got to say, I still find it odd. I found it the same odd way back when the uh, the cake maker, where we ran into this too. How is it possible in the United States that you can be forced to do business with anybody at any time for any reason? To me, this seems like one of the most very basic of freedoms that people should have. It, it it's, uh, it's unbelievable, and... and It's couched in this idea, and and it's been hidden behind these non-discrimination laws. How many five-foot-eight centers are there for uh, college or professional basketball teams? I'm going to go out on a limb and say none. Maybe it's some of the small schools. JUCOs, you know, maybe where they can barely field a team, but I would say for any successful basketball program anywhere, they discriminate against five-foot, eight-inch centers. And I would imagine probably for forwards, too, and most guards, they discriminate against people who don't have much athletic skill, don't they? By by the virtue of uh, some kind of a tryout? Um, Do you think a bank would discriminate against somebody who doesn't understand math or cannot speak? Um, Discrimination is everywhere all the time for a variety of reasons, and a lot of times it just makes sense. For any organization to be successful, they pick out the people they think will make them most successful. Now, that doesn't mean that somebody who's five foot eight or five foot nine, if they are discriminated against joining a basketball team, there are a million other things that they can do and be very successful at. So many of us just within our own head think to ourselves, that might not be the path for me. They're not going to hire me as a center for the New York Knicks at five foot eight. I need to make alternative plans. I need to develop some other skill set because that one is probably a dead end. But it is just so odd to me that in the United States of America, we have this push to force people to interact. When Now, it would be one thing if Entergy, which has a monopoly on our power generation for the state of Mississippi, at least most of it where I've been, if they started to discriminate because they have been hired or essentially granted a monopoly by the government, they cannot discriminate. They cannot say, I don't like your radio show, Mike, not going to give you an no electricity because I have nowhere else to go. But if a pizza place does not want to serve me because they don't like me, they don't like the way I look, they don't like my radio show, that should be completely within their right because there are 50 other pizza shops that I can choose from. And if all 50 discriminate against me because of my radio show or the way that I look, I might need to do some self-introspection <laughs> on exactly what makes me so gosh darn repulsive. But this just seems like I, I'm always surprised that these things, I guess they get through a, a court an appellate court, and then go to the Supreme Court, this seems like one of the easiest ones ever. You can't force me to interact with somebody in the United States, particularly to provide them with my labor, if I just don't feel like it at the time. Can I, can't businesses just close their doors some afternoon, take a siesta? Or just close for the holidays. Aren't they refusing service to an entire community by taking a week off or anything else? I mean, this this is just the one of the the most basic freedoms I would think we would have here in the United States, which is you can do business or not do business with anybody you want to. I'll be right back. Psycho, yeah maybe I'm the one maybe I'm the one the all right final segment for the day this is the last one I'll get to The last one I got time for today and that was that the uh, Joe Biden's harebrained scheme for student loan forgiveness was struck down now I really like it because I I pay attention to a lot of leftists on Twitter and podcasts and things like that. Good thinking ones. And they know. They know that Joe Biden never intended to do this. He's got to leave it just like uh, Republicans have left uh, Obamacare intact, so they can campaign on it. That's why they leave the border wide open, so they can campaign on it. Well, there's a lot of leftists who understand that Joe Biden doesn't care about this issue. He'd rather have it as a campaign issue than to actually solve it. Now, that being said... I don't like it. Of course, this ruling is going to cost me about 10 grand for my son. (laughs) I'm wondering if my, uh, my ex-wife will split that with me, a thinking face emoji. I'm wondering, uh, but for this decision, kind of like the, the no affirmative action thing, uh, I'm for not bailing out uh, college students. If you take on the loans, you pay it back. It's not fair. All of the arguments that the right makes on these things, they're exactly correct on. But again, just like can we do the elites when it comes to affirmative action, uh, now do the banks. See, I think that student loan forgiveness was stupid and unconstitutional and unfair. I mean, the, the whole thing, it is also stupid and unconstitutional and and bad to bail out the banks and hedge funds and private equity investors. We just did that a couple of months ago. When Silicon Valley Bank went belly up, uh, they bailed it out. They made they insured every single deposit in the bank, not up to the, S, uh, the FDIC level of 250 but no, they just blanket said, it doesn't matter how much money you've got in there. And the reason they did that is because a lot of tech companies, backed by a lot of venture capital firms, A lot of hedge funds had money far exceeding the FDIC limit. They bailed out the elites. So I'm for not wiping away the debt of students. Students need to learn the lesson that the government made college so unaffordable in the first place. But if we are going to do that, if we are going to cross out this uh, student loan thing, can we do it for the banks too? If they signed up for risky bets or bad bets on their portfolio, they suffer the consequences, too. I'm for what the Supreme Court just did. Great decisions, several great decisions out of the Supreme Court. I'll, I'll give Trump a little crudo, kudos, but I probably, most Republicans, would have gotten a conservative court. But at the same time, all of these rules... They just don't seem to be applied high enough in our society for my taste. That's all the time I got today. Have a great one. I will see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Here comes up, ready or not. Here comes the voice from the South. Here comes a, ready or not. How you like me now? I say, we wrap the to South. So what you talking about? I'm not running out my mouth. I know this without a doubt. Because if you know these streets, then these streets know you. And when it's time, no handle what to, do, what to do. Me and my crew, we stay true. Old school and new. Many will come, but the chosen few. We, we rise to the top. What you want?